not stopping for the winter break and not suffering from any last minute injuries. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 295 of Hand of Pod. If you thought we were gone last week, then you obviously didn't listen to the episode until the very end, did you? Because I did say at the end of last week's episode that we'd be back. Uh, But one or two people did tweet in to say they were going to miss us. But we're here because people are paying for us now. Uh, We have been racking up even more Patreon supporters in the last couple of days. Um, I'm trying to remember their names. I've got a list of them here. Lee Bartlett and Eva Stensley. Uh, thank you very much to both of you for your pledges um, today, in fact, and possibly quite late last night in Eva's case. I got the notification before I went to bed. Uh, don't know which time zone he's in. Um, hopefully you're enjoying Hand of Pod Extra. It was a little bit late this week. I apologise to patrons um, for that, but I eventually managed to get one online yesterday evening. Um but there was quite a bit to take in, and of course we're going to be going over a lot of that ground uh, this week. We don't have any results, so normally I have a nice easy way of beginning the conversation because I just read out a load of scores, and this weekend there were none. Well, there were a couple, which we can do really quickly, if I can find the tab I had them open on. They were the B Nacional playoff semi-final second legs. They ended um, Brown de Adrogué 2, Sarmiento 4, and San Martín de Tucumán 3, Agropecuario Argentino 0, which means, obviously, both of the first legs of those ties, you might remember, finished uh, in draws, which means that the playoff final of the B Nacional, which is going to be played over two legs, is beginning this coming Saturday, and the second leg will be the following Saturday. Uh, Sarmiento are at home for the first leg, and San Martín are at home for the second. Andres was telling me just before we started recording um, that if it's an aggregate draw, then away goals are not used as a tiebreaker and it will go straight to penalties. Um, Julian, however, who's also here... I haven't introduced you, have I? Sorry. Andres and Julian are here. Hi. How are you? Welcome, gents. Julian uh, was was, uh, telling me something I didn't know because I was admiring Agropecuario's wonderful badge, which... um, as a lover of bright colours is is something I'm very much into uh, it's just a striped series of bright colours basically um, but he was telling me they're quite a dislikable club and I'd love to hear more um, I'm not sure you'll call them dislikable but uh, I personally don't like them they've been around since 2011 they're owned by the Grobo Patel uh, company mm-hmm. uh, their nickname is the Sojero, basically because their president and owner uh, trades in Soja. And uh, they are out of uh, Carlos Casares, which is a small town village of 18,000 people. And their stadium holds 9,000. Wow, that's... Almost half the population of their yeah. city could go on there. And they basically not pay their way up, but they out-budgeted everyone on their every single one of their divisions up until now where they 
couldn't face, couldn't go through on the on the playoff. But yeah, they have just, a lot of money. Just before I hit the record button, you referred to them as the RB Leipzig of the Argentine ah, league. Yeah, if you uh, want to say that uh, Ascenso Argentino doesn't look great on clubs who pour that kind of money on, on their teams and such, and they're always budgeting constraint, this, this club has so absolutely this, no economic troubles whatsoever. This proves that money is everything in football, because uh, until last year, well, this year, we, did, we knew nothing about our pecuaria, now we know because they reached semi-finals of the mm. playoff for, to, to get the promotion to first division. We all will, we all will say, oh, agropecuario, what's a, a small club? Well, now we, we we are learning that it's not like that. They're a small but, club, but yes, for but sure. But uh, they breeze through the the other the other divisional rounds, and because they fielded a team that was much better than every other every other team, they have a lot of money to hey. use on that. A small degree of justice, however, is done in terms of the final lineup. Uh, for those people who think the playoffs are a bit of a silly way of deciding a third promotion, uh, in that San Martin actually finished third in the overall table, and San Miento finished fifth, but only two points behind them, level on points, but just behind Brown de Adrogay on goal difference. So two of the best teams in the playoff mix um, are going to be contesting that final. San, Miento, San Martin, sorry, just looking at their um, their record. The hardest team to beat in the Bay Nacional this season. They only lost three matches in the regular season, but they drew too many, which is why they couldn't finish higher up. Uh, they drew 12 games and only managed to win nine, as against most of the teams below them who won 10, and the two teams above them who won 11, all of whom lost more matches than they did. Um, so it could be an interesting but double header. It makes sense. Uh, I think that San Martín is a big club from the interior. Uh, if they get the promotion, they could play their Clásico derby against Atlético Tucumán. And Sarmiento has uh, been recently in the first division, so it, I think it... Yeah, I, was, a, I was just Googling that to check, because I get the feeling I've seen San Martín in the first division since I've been watching Argentine football. You should. They last were in the 2008-2009 uh, mm. season. Uh, then they went down. Uh, it's one of the clubs with the biggest following in the interior. But yeah, 4,000 of their fans will be traveling to Sarmiento to watch their team play. And there's no word on whether there are going to be away fans allowed for the second leg yet back in Tucumán. I don't think there will be any away fans. Uh, Sarmiento has really very little fans. And that's why... Plus it depends on whether the Tucumán police force allow them in, I suppose. Yeah, but that's why San Martín is taking 4,000 people to Sarmiento. Uh-huh. There's no way the the... The capacity of the stadium will be full just with Sarmiento fans. They've been one of the clubs that always wanted to allow away fans because of that thing. So, I sometimes um, prepare introductory bits on Handapod in my head in the days before recording, and they nearly always get forgotten about. Um, I never actually end up using them. But uh, I did consider yesterday when I was thinking about how to, to start this episode, joking about making people listen to stuff about the Nacional Bay playoffs before we get on to the bit they actually want to hear about, which was the national team. 
and I've just accidentally done it. And I just remembered as Julian was talking just then. Um, so the national team squad's been announced for the World Cup. It's been announced a week or two weeks early because the deadline was the 4th, wasn't it? Yeah. Of, of June. So, 4th of June is the deadline. Which is two weeks on this Monday just gone. And Jorge Sampaoli decided, as we already knew, of course, when we recorded last week, he was going to, um, to release the 23-man squad uh, two weeks before that. Argentina will play a... I mean, it's being billed as a preparatory uh, friendly, but I think it's difficult to suggest how much preparation they're actually going to get out of it. Uh, at home in the Bombonera against Haiti. It's a tradition for the national team. They always play a To friendly. play somebody who they're definitely going to beat by yeah. about five or six Absolutely. goals. It's a farewell. It's game. a farewell from the fans. Yeah. yeah. No, but it used, used to be, then they will play against Israel, not here. The yeah. Israel is the Kabbalah uh, team <laughs> uh, that Argentina has always played against, uh, well, uh, since uh, I think 20 <laughs> something years, it uh, was not uh, Kabbalah anymore because of the results, but it used to be mm. uh, Kabbalah. They played them ahead of the 86 World Cup, didn't they? Yes. Is that right? Yes, I think. Um, yeah, that match is going to be, as I mentioned, on Hand of Pod Extra uh, last night um, in Israel, but I still don't think there's been any final decision on whether it's going to be in Jerusalem or Tel Aviv. Um, just yet for fairly obvious reasons. There was reasons. a rumour that the game might be moved away from both Tel Aviv and, and Jerusalem. Sampaoli wanted it played Barcelona. in Barcelona, which yeah. is where Argentina are going to be flying to immediately after the Haiti friendly. Uh, he wanted it played in Barcelona all along because he didn't want to fly around too much prior to heading to Russia for the, the preparations. Um, so he wasn't very pleased, but he said, well, we didn't really have any choice, the AFA took this decision and it's a financial one and, and everything else um, so it, it might end up being moved back to I would guess not the Camp Nou but possibly um, uh, the I can't remember the name of Espanyol's new ground um, but that one I, I suppose in Barcelona if they can do it at such short notice but we shall see anyway next week we'll be talking about the Haiti match and how much Argentina learned from that one of the things I suspect they're not going to learn is who should be their first choice goalkeeper because do we think Haiti are going to manage any shots on target in that game? I mean, Argentina's defence is not the strongest. They might. If they want to, Argentina will allow a couple of shots on target <laughs> if they against any, any team, <laughs> Haiti or whatever team. No disrespect but, uh, intended to any Haitian listeners. But it's actually not. I don't think it's a preparation match. It's, it's a farewell match. Mm. It's just to raise some money and pay some bills ahead of the World Cup. Yeah. That, that's the purpose. Anyway, Haiti might get a couple of shots on target if they want to. And who is going to be um, flapping at those shots? Is it going to be Armani or is it going to be Cabachero? Because my thinking would be, obviously, if you've been living under a rock for the last few days or if Handapod is your only um, contact with the world of Argentine football, then I should clarify that Sergio Romero um, has uh, not recovered from the injury that he picked up playing for Argentina against Spain in March. He broke down in training yesterday. Um, and is going to be missing the World Cup. So Nahuel Guzman has been called up in his place. We have an amusing story about why that's controversial in a few minutes' time. And Wilfredo Caballero of Chelsea's reserve team and Sergio Romero... No, hang on. He's the one who's injured, isn't he, in Manchester United's reserve team. And Franco Armani yeah. of River Plate's first team are the two who are now competing, at least in the media's eyes, um, for that starting spot. The whole you know, Romero... Saga was controversial. It's a bit nuts, isn't it? We, yeah. we had, I mean, so first of all, I just mentioned the Guzman amusing story, which was that Guzman's dad is some kind of comic. Yeah, sketch he's a cartoonist. Yeah, right? sketch artist, cartoonist. Um, 
And he, he drew quite a scathing um, cartoon caricature. Seems taken down. Yes, it unsurprisingly, taken, now yeah. that his son's back in the squad, um, of Sam Pauli when, when the squad list was first announced on Monday with uh, tattoos of Fox Sports and TNT Sports and the Chilean um, FA's crest on his shirt and a mask over his face saying that uh, basically that this guy just does what sponsors tell him to and, and that Armani's been picked ahead of his son because he's the fashionable person at the moment. He's also in the past, this, this same uh, father, because now El Guzman's only got one father, um, said that uh, basically every other Argentine goalkeeper playing football today is absolutely awful. He's, he's cast outs over Romero, he's cast outs over Caballero, he's cast outs over Andujar, over Rulli, over anybody who our listeners might write in and ask what we think, whether they should be in the national team. Uh, in his defense, no, no man, man's he's the better thinks. one with uh, playing with his feet, which was yeah, which is coming, what San Pauli says. What San Pauli should have basically coming into the, the job said he wanted to pre- pre- prioritize. So, um, he does have a point. Then again, Kuzman yeah. doesn't have any chance. Even Romero was saying that uh, before he, he finally got injured and was withdrawn from the list of the players to, for the World Cup, that he that somebody wanted him as a goalkeeper player. Mm. Well, he should improve that. A sweeper-keeper. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, but yes, now that Guzman is there, at least in that uh, part of the play, well, somebody must, must be at least, even with this all all this con- controversy that uh, it's incredible how uh, he gives the list and on the other day or the, f- the following day is the, the, the injury uh, even when when his wife told the uh, media that his his injury has been uh, uh, from the since the Spain friendly uh, that it wasn't now that yeah the, uh, the thing with the injury off. was that uh, Romero played for Manchester United against Watford. He did, yeah, in the last prior game, to the Premier League final. season. And then he wasn't included. He was going to be the starting goalkeeper. Yeah, he was a sub FA Cup on final. the FA Cup final. And he was, he was on the bench because Mourinho didn't think he was the, quite fit enough, um, which would appear to have turned out to be yeah, correct. Mourinho now, seems to be correct. Generally, I don't like to give Jose Mourinho too much um, I think it's a credit, but same decision to, by Sampaoli. If he wasn't yeah. fit and he... He said he could have had a surgery and be ready... Mm, Two weeks, three weeks time, but uh, it's just too much of a risk. If, uh, if he'd realised how serious it was earlier, there was some talk yesterday, wasn't there, among various yeah. journalists saying that if, he, if he'd realised at the same time as Sergio Aguero had his surgery, yeah, that for he sure, himself needed uh, to do that. The thing is, so uh, the option for Sampoli was that Romero could have a surgery and be ready in two weeks time, three weeks time, but once it was announced that he was out of the squad, now the surgery will be much bigger and he will be out. Mm. Uh, more time so he really needed the surgery could have forced the issue by and, and Sampoli he is taking players that are still under recovery uh, period like well Biglia apparently is now fit but also Aguero are, are too much yeah. too many players to, to take into a World Cup not being at 100% and particularly with the goalkeeper it's such a, a huge yeah. risk as uh, well uh, 2006 quarter final perfectly demonstrated because uh, Jose Pekeman's um, plans for substitutions got completely ruined when Abondancieri yeah. um, broke the... down in the middle of that game. Um, as, yeah. as, as we mentioned, um, Romero's wife, Eliana Guercio, um, isn't very happy with the situation. She posted 
I've only seen the La Nacion quote of the tweet. I haven't seen the quote it's, uh, the, the tweet itself. But it seems it, it's quite confusing. It's not at all clear who she's referring to. And I think that it's also not entirely clear whether she's referring to, whether she's suggesting that somebody has had a word in somebody's ear and got Romero Hoyt from the list, or whether she's saying they should have noticed this the problem is, earlier, it's your fault that he's so badly injured now. No, I don't think she's blaming her husband. She's blaming No, she's clear. obviously not, not she's blaming She's obviously him. not. No. But uh, uh, if he would have known it was that serious, he should have taken measures. The thing with uh, Romero is, uh, it's been known for a while that... Uh, even though he's a, he was a big part of the the group, the team, the messy entourage for years on even before this, uh, there's was some uh, I don't want to say broken relationship, but there was some concerns because he hadn't found the club at least for the last six months where he would have got consistent playing time. Yeah, and I think uh, most of the players of the the old guard, the, the historical players of Argentina, uh, had emphasized that to him. So, okay. And take apparently, some Paoli had done as well. Some Paoli had uh, done done so as well, but uh, I think he always uh, didn't want to take the the drastic measures because he he thought the so Romero had the backing of the of his companions, his teammates. Mm. And once his teammates said, uh, "Okay, uh, you should have done more," some Paoli felt in with the, the power to actually consider money, consider Caballero, and that's why I think he, he brought them in. Yeah. He wouldn't have trust, tried Caballero in the last friendly, and the last two friendlies of the previously to a World Cup. He yeah. would have called up Guzman and Marchesin and... Yeah, yeah. Into the touchy thing, it's impossible not to remember the Mascherano phrase saying, uh, "You today you will become a hero, and that all, remembering all those things, put perhaps ahead of, the, of his real... Uh, Capabilities or, or well, the, his activity that has been none in Manchester United. In, in favor of Romero, I would say that if I were Romero, I wouldn't have gotten a team for the last six months. His biggest asset was not playing. Nobody could evaluate <laughs> him because he was literally well, unevaluable. He, and and he just the other thing is, the other thing is, he's been working with some very good coaches, and he's been working alongside, uh, training alongside the best goalkeeper on the planet for, sure. um, for the last two seasons. He he's been United first choice cup goalkeeper he would have as I said already he would have played the FA Cup semi-final and final if he, if he played the fit. Europa League final he, uh, he played the whole year. Europa League campaign last year um, it, it sort of, and, and I think that he, he has improved as, as long term and the pod listeners will be aware I've always defended him and, and felt that he's a better goalkeeper than his club playing time has suggested I think he's improved as a, United, as, as a goalkeeper since joining yeah. United as well and, and by all accounts obviously I'm a United fan, but I'm sort of one removed because I'm such a long way away from um, from the club now. Uh, but by all accounts, he's been tremendously a popular figure at Old Trafford as well. Um, I didn't know that. Which, being a reserve goalkeeper, takes some doing. Um, what, aside from the politics and aside from the intrigue around the, the injury and stuff, what what do you think? How has this affected Argentina's chances? at the World Cup now are you more comfortable because Romero's not going to be in goal or would you no. rather have him than Caballero or Armani I think he's as good if not better a keeper as Armani who seems to be the popular choice by for every single person in Argentina and I don't think uh, Sampoli will necessarily go with Armani now that Romero is out I think Caballero has a mm. real chance to actually 
play and start because of what we say. Uh, if Romero is training with De Gea, Caballero has been training with Courtois for most yeah. part. He's been coached by, by Guardiola and he's been coached by Conte, which maybe two of the top five managers in the world for everyone. Mm. So, and I, I'm going back to what we said earlier. If Sampaoli wanted to prioritize his keeper being a sweeper keeper, playing with his feet, the choice is Caballero more so than Armani. The choice is Guzman more so than Caballero and Armani, but once Guzman yeah. wasn't on the 23-man squad, I don't think he has a chance. Although the, the Armani does have this uh, gift of being able to come out very quickly and decisively, let's say, when yeah. the ball gets played in behind Rivers' defence and they're quite high up. He's furious. Um, so he, it, I suppose if you're playing with a sweeper-keeper, it depends on whether you want the keeper who can help when you're on the ball or the keeper who can mop up behind the defence if the other team would counter quickly. Um Given Argentina's yeah, centre-backs, I, mean, I would actually prefer someone who can get out quicker <laughs> than play with his feet good. Indeed. Um, Andres? Yes, I think Guzmán has made some mistakes in the Liga Mexicana uh, recently, but does, I think that doesn't mean that he can't be the starting goalkeeper even with this controversy we have been talking about. And then, yes, Armani with his uh, decisive uh, performance at, at River, so it's. I think it will be, will, will be quite difficult the, uh, of a decision for for San Pauli when Romero was there. With 99% would have been Romero, the one who will start in the, against Iceland the 16th of, of June. Now I think it's a little uh, percentage of, of doubt there. Mm. Uh, even that, uh, like we, you are saying, Caballero has the most experience in terms of playing in Europe and being. Uh, directed by, by well-known coaches there in Europe. So I, I don't think it's 100% clear right now. Um, well, Guzman was out, now he's in. Uh, with the players, I mean the group, uh, we know how Argentinian players are in terms of the group, in terms of the mystic and the... And the Romero was, uh, I think, was wanted by, by, by his teammates even uh, independently of his uh, good or bad uh, performances uh, as a goalkeeper, so I think that will be key in, in order for them to be trust to trust the one who will be in the goal, even Caballero, Guzman, or, or, or Armani, because now they will have we, they will have to train, of course, these twenty uh, days that uh, are uh, to go to the, to, the, to their debut in the World Cup, because they don't know. Of course, Armani, even Machano, of course, uh, admitted that he they didn't even know Armani. They didn't know his face, mm. so that will be key for them to to adapt. Even Caballero, uh, well, Caballero perhaps more than Armani, but Armani to the group and see how they how they they, they play at least the trainings. That's not yeah. a correct answer choice for Sampoli. If he chooses Caballero, if the easy one would be Armani, but if he chooses Armani and Armani does poorly or doesn't go as planned, uh, his critics will. Just say like yeah. Guzman's father. Ah, you caved into the everyone's request. And if he goes with Caballero, who would probably be his his first choice, given the circumstances, it's this, it's the same. If Caballero doesn't do well, it's ah, you should have gone with Armani. It was mm. such an obvious choice. Why didn't? Why did you overthink this? And there are so many criteria that you can use as well. You've mentioned already how tactically speaking, uh, he might prefer Guzman because he's better with his feet. In terms of if he's going to pick based on playing time and current form, then I guess you'd have Armani first choice 
Guzman's second choice and Caballero third because Caballero hasn't been playing. But that's a hell of a big call to make if you're making somebody who was only just called up in, in the last couple of days and who has won that call-up in the last couple of months um, your first choice goalkeeper all of the time, especially given that you know Caballero up until a few days ago was in the process of still getting Colombian citizenship so he could play for Colombia if he didn't get an Argentina call-up uh, to play any international football Armani, at all. Armani. Sorry, yes, Armani. Thank you. Well, yes, Caballero um, had the six goals conceded against Spain with that as well. five. Well, five. five because six, one yeah. was uh, Romero, but hadn't Romero not been injured... He would have conceded six goals against Spain, and Caballero's last impression would have been a great performance against Italy. So probably well, or maybe had Romero not got injured, he wouldn't have conceded six goals against Spain. Maybe. You know, well, Romero conceded six goals well. against Bolivia. Uh, ah. Maradona was, uh, of course, it was eight years ago. Precisely, yeah. That uh, there's there's no right right answer. Exactly. I think uh, he has to take a leap of faith with one of them and just stick with it and. I think Guzman is out of the running because of what we just I said. Think, yeah. He called him back because he was uh, the only other keeper on the 35-man squad he announced. So. Yeah. I think that's the main problem, that he had the decision made and now he has to make another decision. Yeah. And, yes, uh, and this is something that I wanted to ask about as well because I mentioned already the 35-man squad was named ahead of time. The 23-man squad was named... No, the 35-man squad wasn't oh, no, that named, was named ahead of time. Yeah, he was... Uh, as, as I understand it, uh, Sampoli was reluctant to actually name a 35-man yes, squad. Yeah, yeah. FIFA forced him to. Precisely. He didn't want to make it public, but in Argentina, that, that, yeah. that that's not a thing. So they said, okay, give it and give us one week for the 35-man squad. Yeah. I think Sampoli's main focus was giving the 23-man squad just on the 35-man squad deadline. And yeah. he, was, he caved to the AFA and all his politics stuff and... Media, basically. Yeah, the 23-man squad, however, was named ahead of yeah, time. That's it. As you say, the AFA appear to have wanted this more than Sam Pauli. Um, but it's also, they've kind of made a rob for their own backs now, because we're not into the FIFA dates yet. Clubs are not yet obliged to release these players, although the vast oh, majority of them are already training down at Ezeiza with the national team. And they're now into a situation where last night, or yesterday afternoon, after um, Romero's injury was confirmed... AFA people were apparently phoning up or, or getting on email or whatever um, to River Plate's directors and saying, look, we need Armani released now. And River, this evening, in an hour and a half's time, um, have got a very much live Copa Libertadores match. It's not, you know, is he, oh, they've qualified already, you don't need him. But it's a dead. It's not a dead rubber because the top spot in the group is is up for grabs they're playing Flamengo if Flamengo win the match then Flamengo finish top of the group instead of River the seeding therefore for the knockout round which doesn't have an awful lot to do anymore remember the knockout round isn't first against 16th second against 15th like it used to be but the teams who finish top and the higher up you finish depends on how many uh, ties throughout the knockout round you will get to um, play the second leg at home for so it's, it's a live game and River's backup goalkeepers to Armani are a big drop-off, which is why Armani got signed in the first place. So suggesting when the AFA could have waited another week before confirming the squad and then said, well, OK, who's fit? Now we name the players. If there were... There obviously aren't, but if there, if there were any Argentine players involved in the Champions League final and a player had got injured in one of their positions, I don't think, say, Barcelona were involved in the, in the Champions League final, that the AFA would be on the phone to Barcelona saying, can you maybe not use Lionel Messi on Saturday, please? Yeah, I realise it's not an exactly equivalent situation, but 
trying to call up the well, player but, uh, when, when the club have very much... Take into account Independiente's game. Mesa is playing against uh, Deportivo Lara and yeah. Independiente are playing for their, their qualification. River, it's seeding all that's in, on the line. Mm. For Independiente, no. Independiente has to win and has to go, to go through. And Holland has already said that he will use Mesa, who admitted he had a mixed up in his head because he didn't really know what to do. I mean, for, yeah. on the one hand, he wants to play for Independiente, he wants them to qualify. On the other, he knows he's risking his long shot at a World Cup. Yeah. Anyway, World Cup birth. There is some speculation around River against Flamengo match because uh, there are people saying that River is better uh, qualifying as a second in the group because if they qualify as a first, they will play. They could play against Racing, Atletico de Juan, or Boca because mm. all of them have finished in the second place. Their groups, yeah, possibly in Independiente and yes. maybe Estudiantes too, if they so, both go through. Uh, but that doesn't uh, depends on how you handicap. That it. has nothing to do with Armani because well, uh, you have to play anyway and, and, and try to to win the match even yeah. uh, when you are better uh, qualifying as a second. But uh, another yes. thing to take into account is that uh, San Paoli's relationship with Gallardo is not, good. not good at all. And that's why probably no call was made and no uh, official, uh, I don't know, broker yeah, something. Yeah, it was, it was directors calling directors yeah. rather than uh, uh, manager calling manager and saying. Hey, had it been someone it. with a better relationship with San Paoli, I think uh, he wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Armani wouldn't have played. Anyway, aside from the goalkeepers, there are twenty other players in this squad. It has been named since we were last recording. So, let's go through them. Noel Guzman, in goal, along with Willy Cabachera and Franco Armani. We've talked about them a little bit already. Um, but defenders, Gabriel Mercado, Cristian and Saldi. Yeah, that's an interesting late surprise. surge to get into the squad because of Mercado's injury, apparently. He got his place in the 35 as a result of that last week. Because of Centurion's um, uh, parting habits? You reckon, as well? I don't know. You, you think he could have been the 35th man? Uh, 23rd for sure 23rd sorry many yes. said he was uh, a lock and after his last match uh, Racing's uh, defeat against uh, Sarmiento Resistencia Copa Argentina yes, which he was went, being played when we were last recording yeah he went uh, out uh, to Darío Benedetto's birthday oh, of course yeah, yeah. recording and having a drink and basically partying at his friend's birthday which I don't understand why that takes him out of the World Cup squad but uh, apparently he was been told he had been told lay low mm. play it right don't do anything stupid and basically he did yes or not actually surprise, he didn't do surprise. anything but uh, yeah but, but he certainly didn't do it for Ricky Centurion it was an incredibly quiet night in it was true considering the standards he is capable of it was as quiet as Centurion is going to get he, <laughs> he was uh, videotaped with his friends dancing and uh, having a drink that's basically it, but yeah. Some say that actually pushing him out of the squad. Mm. But most media uh, received the Mesa calling up as winning that calling up to Perotti and, and Centurion, not that yeah. Sansaldi. But yes, perhaps if Centurion wouldn't have been that in that mood, uh, he would have been there and not Ansaldi. But yeah. he wants Ansaldi apart from Mercado's injury because he can play in both sides. Yes, precisely. Right. Yeah, the thing about that was that Salvio now appears on the list. On As the a midfielder. Twi- yeah, 
Which when he actually in, in the thirty fifth in the thirty five man squad, yeah. he was on the defender. Defender, yeah. So he was. Which is also how he was called out for the two March friendlies as yeah. well. He was listed as a defender and there. Every time Saint Paoli talked about him, he mentioned him in a, as a possible wing back. Mm. Uh, so. Uh, Centurion was uh, uh, listed as a midfielder and suddenly he wasn't on the 23-man squad and then Saldi appeared as a defender and Salvio transferred to the midfield section. I don't know how. Indeed. Uh, the oh, other yeah. defenders, Nicolás Otamendi, Federico Facio, Marcos Rojo, Nicolás Tagliafico and Marcos Acuña. None of those are really surprising names. Uh, midfielders, Javier Mascherano, who is listed here as a midfielder, but has been, I think basically he's kept his place in the squad partly for his importance to the group, which is greater now that Romero's injured than it was before, probably. Um, and partly because, of course, he, he can play midfield or centre-back, so he provides a little bit of extra cover there. Um, along with Eduardo Salvio, who Julian's mentioned already, Lucas Biglia, who has recovered from a broken back in record time, considering as well that Alejandro Gomez tried to kill him a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Giovanni Lo Celso, Eber Banega, Manuel Lancini, congratulations West Ham United fans, Maxi Mesa, Angel Di Maria and Christian Pavon, and the forwards, the controversial call-up of Lionel Messi, uh, he's a surprise name, Paolo Dybala, was he has helped? made the squad, yep. as we kept sort of hinting that he probably was going to when people were tweeting in and saying, hey, why is Dybala not in the squad? Do you think he should be? Well, okay, relax, we kept saying, and it turns out he is there. Uh, and Gonzalo Higuain and Sergio Aguero, which means not only is there no place for Ricky Centurion, there is also, somewhat surprisingly as well, no place for Lautaro Martinez. And Paoni is listed also as a midfielder. He yeah. is, yes. Although I suppose on the wing, yeah. it's fine, isn't it, really? And, and where these players are listed on, on, the squad, uh, on, on the squad list, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to have to they're going to be no, forbidden. Aside from, from the fact that one was listed as something on the 35 month squad and then mm. changed, that's I don't give much credit. Or are there any players? Are there any players there who you really strongly feel shouldn't be, or are there any players there who who you really strongly shouldn't feel be? should be and who aren't? Uh, no, shouldn't be. No, I think Diwala was at risk of losing out, of missing out of the World Cup. I think his whole. Uh, Playing alongside Messi is difficult and such. I think as, as give I, him no favors whatsoever. As I said before, I, th I think the most likely is that he's being brought along as, I mean, a reserve number nine and also as a substitution for Messi. If Messi, God forbid, gets injured or suspended, Dybala plays a similar role, albeit not to quite the same level. But then who does? Um, and so tactically, at least, it would be a name that you can slot straight in there and not have to change the rest of the game plan around. Too Going much. into the job, I think Sampoli had high hopes of pairing Messi yeah. and Dybala, and he gave he up. He realized on those. quite quickly that it wasn't going to work. It might still work. It takes time. Uh, I think Dybala was too honest for his own good when he said it was difficult playing alongside Messi because they basically do the same things, and mm. they have one of the others has to adapt and do others. Probably Messi is more suited to it, but then again, he's Messi. Do yeah. you want Messi doing unlike Messi things to fit Dybala, or do you want Dybala doing something that he probably does, doesn't does do as good to fit him alongside Messi? It's, they, I still think they have a chance. More so if Sampaoli sticks to that 2-3-2 uh, three, three, formation shape that he alluded to we're going to talk about that a little later I'd Andres, like to see both do you have any thoughts on the squad well I, I know Mascherano can play and I think he will in case he plays 
in the back, not in the midfield, but yes. I would have called up Yudi Saro to to make a bit more strong there, uh, strength there in the in the yes in the midfield. As there are only a few uh, central midfielders, and perhaps Icardi or Lautaro Martinez. Even when Icardi, we knew already knew that he wouldn't be there. Yeah. Um, as uh, unfortunately, I have to agree with Caruso Lombardi, who said that if if Gonzalo Wayne suffers from a stomach ache, there won't be any other nine, number nine there. To, to be at to cover uh, that position, but I know that Sampaoli wants to play more with the midfielders coming to the box than with natural strikers. Uh, I think he has one. He has. He, he's going with Aguero as his first choice. Yeah. I would think, and Iwain as his replacement. And you can't fault him for that. They're both world class. Um, he yes. could have been there, but he had his chance and he. Didn't make really, anything of yes, it. Yes, as we mentioned. Well, no, the discussion is that Aguero perhaps uh, is he a number nine or not? Well, that's the, the another discussion. I, I think the main doubt over Aguero is really whether he's going to stay fit and, yeah. and whether yeah. when the pressure comes on, whether he's going to get. Because it, it really seemed to me, I think I mentioned it at the time, that the injuries to both him and to Di Maria in not just the World Cup, but also the subsequent Copas America, seemed to be caused by stress as much as anything. It seemed like their muscles were tensing up because of what was going on in their head, which I know sounds a little bit ridiculous, but, you know, it, it, it also definitely... Oh, it's not is ridiculous. Something I think it's tough. something that actually happens. Exactly, yeah. Um, Sampoli went to, to watch Lautaro Martinez five times, almost. Five or six times, or mm. well, four or five times. And in those matches, Lautaro Martinez scored Patrick's. 375 goals I think with in those the, five the, games. The whole issue with Lautaro Martinez is if you're San Paoli, uh, again, there's no right choice. Uh, imagine you're trailing in a game and you need to bring someone on, and you have Lautaro Martinez on the bench. You bring him on and he does he does nothing. Ah, mm. uh, you brought on a, a youngster. He wasn't seasoned. Yeah, he, why did he, he call up Picardi? Yeah. yeah. Whatever. Yes, if it's vice versa, then it's, you should have called up Martinez. These these players who play in Europe Abs- don't know what it's like. There was no right choice. I think he went to the, the safer route there, and Iwai is a proven player. And the, the, the other thing, of course, is that Sampaoli has, as we mentioned a couple of times before, I think, has, has his contract runs out at the end of the 2022 World Cup. And when he first called up Lautaro Martinez, all of the talk, or, or the more sensible talk, I should say, um, was about the idea that Lautaro Martinez was a name for the future and was going to be one of the team leaders in four, or perhaps we should say four and a half uh, years' time for for that World Cup. Um, and so, in a way, maybe he's decided, you know what, it's not worth taking him to this one and just seeing him either sit on the bench and stagnate or just perhaps have one bad game and get destroyed. Because I have a continue um, to say, as I said at the time of the 2010 World Cup, uh, although obviously I didn't say it on hand pod because the 2010 World Cup took place a few months before we launched, um, that Diego Maradona very nearly ruined Nicolas Otamendi's international career by Probably. taking him along to that World Cup and then playing um, him as a right-back when he was absolutely. 18. And people, I, I remember people I, back in England tweeting me and going, this, this kid Otamendi is absolutely rubbish, why is he in the squad? And I was going, well, Maradona didn't name any fullbacks, And then he got to the World Cup and thought, actually I should name some fullbacks, So he just stuck a central defender there. He's, he's not a, a right-back. He played Jonas Gutierrez as his uh, franchise yeah. fullback. son. He did. He, well, that that whole team was uh, bonkers. Oh, but then I, take Messi, two thousand six Messi. Beckerman mm. takes him, plays him in the first round, scores a goal. Then on the against England, he doesn't bring him on, and he's 
chastised because oh you didn't bring on Messi who turned out to be the greatest player ever. But no, that was against Germany. Against Germany, I wish it had been England. Anyway, Germany. But then again, uh, that's that's the thing with Lautaro Martinez. You are going to keep him on the bench. Who are you bringing on? Aguero or Iguain or Lautaro Martinez, who's unproven. Uh, again, the issue of fit. We've seen that Dybala theoretically should have fit right on with Messi. They didn't. So Lautaro Martinez is not proven. Uh, I wouldn't have taken that risk. Anyway, not on Lautaro Martinez. Yes, anyway, on somewhere else. I understand yeah. that yeah. He, pitch. he didn't call up a lot of players in the center uh, side of the, of the pitch because he wants that movement in the, in the sides, like... And players that can play in, in defender, in defense and in attack, like Salvio, like Acuna, like or, or polyfunctionals. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So Nicolas Tagliafico is obviously a left back. He can play left midfield if pushed as well. So can Marcos Acuna, who actually is a left midfielder who played left back at Ferro. Um, I think uh, the the one that yeah, got Saldi the most pushback is Mascherano. We mentioned him. He's playing Precisely, in China yeah. and that uh, in Argentina equates to having it being washed up and not being able to play even though I, many I wouldn't say that's an entirely unfair current uh, I don't know Brazil's Brazil's national team has no, now Paulinho is playing for Barcelona but he made his name in playing for Tite and the national team by playing in China Renato yeah. Augusto is a fixture in their starting 11 and he plays in China and nobody seems to take that as, 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 an, as a negative sign then again nobody won Mascherano's place uh who no. played in central midfield well, and, and actually made an impact as to say, ah, oh, you should take him. Oh, it is. Precisely. Particularly given that we're talking about the squad and, as I mentioned when I read out the list, Mascherano has a, a, an enormous play, place psychologically in this squad and as a member of the group. Yeah. I'd be worried and surprised if Mascherano actually ends up starting matches in any position, whether it's centre-back or central midfield. I think that Biglia is going to be the first choice number five. I think he won't play centre-back. Assuming that Biglia actually is completely fit, obviously, which he appears... Biglia will start. Mascherano won't play centre-back under no circumstance. I think uh, the second choice centre-back, if anything happens to Otamendi, would be uh, actually Mercado. Maybe Rojo. Yeah. I don't think Mascherano has any any place on the centre-back. He's Biglia's replacement. Biglia will start... Hmm. He'll play all he can, and Mascherano will act as his backup. Maybe yeah. Billion is a, a breather or something. But uh, then again, as I said, uh, he tried many, many other center midfielders, and no one made an impact. Because Argentina only one as to Argentina don't really have that many top class central midfielders to bring on at the moment. I mean, I, I was looking at uh, uh, well, no, I was looking don't. briefly. At, uh, at the French and the Spanish squads. Obviously, the Spanish one got quite directly compared with Argentina back in March, and it was pretty painful to watch from an Argentine perspective, um, and the German squad. And you think, OK, Argentina's best hope if they get drawn against those teams is going to be press really high, try and force the defenders into making a mistake when they're playing it out from the back, and hope like hell that those teams are too terrified that Messi might do something to throw everything forward. Because in midfield... Any one of those three European sides can overrun Argentina. But the thing with Argentina is there's a cultural um, belief that the number five, the, the central midfielder, has to be a, a defensive, a, a rocket, defensive type. Yeah. That's a thing of the past. Uh, Spain, mm. there's no such player in, in Spain's yeah. list. Spain's nobody's five is, is uh, nobody's pointing at Lopetegui saying, "Oh, you should have taken that more many guys." No, Thiago Alcántara marks 
as much as I do, yeah. or maybe less. <laughs> but he plays because he's a great player. Argentina has good players in midfield, but they don't play them in that role because there's a still a, a cultural belief that that player should, um, uh, yeah, occupy another role, mm. have another an, another function in the team that it's not what the modern game requires. Giovanni Lo Celso was played as a deep line midfielder for Paris Saint Germain against Real Madrid in the Santiago Bernabéu. Yeah. He managed until he made a penalty, a dubious penalty. But it, I mean, I, I think managed is generous. It, no. it didn't go. I think it's. I, I'm not saying generous to Lochelso. I think it's generous to Unai Emery, who, who I don't think is a particularly fantastic manager. Um, manager good luck, like Arsenal way. fans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, Lochelso is is a player I really like, but um, I'm not convinced he should be playing as number five. Sam Pauli isn't going to play him as a number five. He won't five, play as a number five. Fortunately, he might very well be a starting midfielder. But, but we'll get on to that. Had Argentina had break. Thiago Alcantara, for example, mm. or Coque, uh, the Atletico Madrid player, or I don't know, uh, Xavi, or some Spanish midfielder, or Cesc Fabregas, for instance, yeah. they wouldn't play him as central midfielder. They would try to fit them to the engancha role, play him higher upfield, and he would struggle. That's what happens with Banega. Had Banega been Spanish, wow, his career would have been totally different. Mm. Same for us, I don't know. The French, the the French midfielders, they're they're good on the ball. They don't they don't recover many balls. They they aren't tight marking people. They they aren't deep line. They they aren't rocky as yeah. Uh, Roy Keane type. And, and type even player. even when Argentina did have a Roy Keane type player in Esteban Cambiaso, when he played for Argentina, he tended to be much deeper. He tended to be much less dynamic than at club level. And take the, take Esteban Cambiaso again. He was. Criticized as not being Mascherano-esque as a central midfielder, uh, centre back pushed up, uh, pushed up field. Mm. That's what Mascherano is really. In Barcelona, yeah. he plays centre back. He doesn't play well, central midfielder here. Here, as because he doesn't have the quality, the put the um, skills on the ball. To play yeah, there. or the or the. I mean, it's a point I've made several times that that I, I feel like when Mascherano plays at centre back on the odd occasions he has done for Argentina, and I can't remember which fixture it was during qualifying. Uh, but there was one game which he started in midfield and was obliged to drop back to centre-back because somebody got injured. Um, and it was night and day. In, in central midfield, he wins the ball. He's fantastic at winning the ball, of course. And then he normally gives a very uninspiring pass, which kills the chance to, to launch a counter-attack. Whereas from centre-back, he seems to charge forward and actually make four passes way more often. Obviously, he's got more people ahead of him at centre-back. But it, it's it's a bit weird. That That's the thing. The game has changed so much. Uh, well, centre-backs in, in international football and at the top level of, in club football are fast and good on the ball. Mm. Argentina's centre-backs, uh, aside from Otamendi, who has learned in the past year, two and, two and a half years, mm. say, are slow and big. That, that's not what uh, the international game requires. That's not uh, what uh, a team that wants to press high requires. Mascherano is much better. Well, was much better suited. I think his his prime has passed clearly, but he was never used that way. He was played yeah. as a central midfielder. He was taken as the the aside from Messi, the the most important player in the squad, mm. which he clearly wasn't. That's that's uh, that's what Basile used to say in the past that the centre backs have to be rude. Ugly and, and yeah, and to perhaps scare the, the strikers, and uh, and this goes related with the, uh, the the style of the players. I think that most people here uh, 
that the, the, the ovation comes when the player goes to the floor and, and quits the ball and not when they will the play perhaps yeah and that's why uh, the, the players are, are with that culture they they learn that and I think that that's why the only perhaps player that is the number five with play is well Paredes, but he didn't work when he yeah. was called. So yeah, there are no there are no number five with that features that the Spanish or German players. Yeah, uh, I, I guess Kranovic there as well, but he wasn't. I mean, there was talk about him making the thirty-five, and that ended up not happening in the end anyway. Um, and he doesn't seem to have ever really been on Sam Pauli's radar for the national team. We will talk after this break about potential tactics, particularly Sam Pauli's proposed 2-3-3-2 formation, which sounds fascinating. I didn't actually see this uh, quote, by the way, so I'm looking forward to hearing about it from you two. Um, but for now, I'm going to refill some glasses and uh, don't go away. Glasses are replenished. Gremio have just scored, which means that they are back to the top of their Copa Libertadores group because uh, for most of the match so far, it's looked like they were going to be finishing second to Cerro Porteño. Uh, this is not a group that involves Argentine sides. It's just the match we've got on whilst we're recording. Um, so Gremio are 1-0 up against Defensor Sporting after 65 minutes. Cerro Porteño lead Monagas and Venezuela 2-0 in Asuncion. Uh, after or Luque, sorry, uh, after 64 minutes, um, and Gremio and Cerro Porteño, the two sides going through. Whatever happens there, just we don't know what order yet. Anyway, tactics: San Paoli, two three three two. Gentlemen, talk to me. I'm all for it. Uh, what, what did he say exactly? That that the uh, basic uh, shape. Uh, uh, I don't think how, I don't know how he really phrased it, but he said he. Their basic shape would be a two-three-three-two. That so that's really what he's saying is it's going to be a four-one-three-two with fullbacks who yes. push up. Um, yeah, I think the most pressing question I have about that is where does Messi fit on that two-three-three-two? Mm-hmm. Is he the middleman on the second three or is he one of the front two? If he's one of the front two, I don't. I'm not so much with it. Yeah, I. From uh, the description you've just given me, what I'm thinking at the moment is one thing that we already uh, have heard and, and that we saw in the friendly against Italy particularly is that Manuel Lanzini stands a very good chance of starting wide right. So he presumably would be wide right in that foremost three. I would think Messi in the middle and then Aguero and Dybala or Higuain as the front two. Yeah. Don't know who's going to be wide left. That's one of the, and that's one of the options. My preferred one. If... Lancini plays on wide right, then Di Maria will play wide left. Mm. I think that's a fix. Messi and Aguero and Higuain. And you've got Pavon as, as Lancini's backup, and Pavon, when he's played for Argentina so far... The has, option has which looked... I, I don't really like or endorse is Baniga being the middleman of the front three, and then Messi and one of the strikers being the two. Right. Which would also, yeah, sort of... It, it... On defense, you'll be defaulting to a four-man four set back, four 
people in the midfield with Banega sitting back uh, against Biglia. The two white players, Lancini and Di Maria, being front of the fullbacks and leaving Messi and the other strikers. Yes, but in the first line of, of midfielders, who will be the third one? Because Biglia and, and Banega will be the two natural midfielders there and there's another one Salvio? Or well as I said I think the implication no. would be no, no. you've got, you've got Mercado and Tagliafico with one of those two being probably Biglia in between them rather than playing them both I think the the preferred Sampaoli's preferred method would be to slot as uh, one of the wide players on defence one who's a natural defender say Mercado or Tagliafico and the other one uh Alternatively, Salvio or Acuña. If Mercado's on the right, then uh, Acuña on the left. If Tagliafico's on the left, then Salvio on the right. I think that would be the the most logical one. Yeah. Um, I did see one or two people asking on Twitter, not asking Hand of Pod, but just mentioning on Twitter, oh, this is like uh, the famous old WM formation, isn't it? I've just very quickly Googled to make sure. Not really. Because I didn't think it was. And the answer is no. For any wannabe tactical historians uh, the WM was more of a 3-2-2-3 whereas what this is is a 2-3-3-2 it's very different the full number Um, but Ah. yeah I mean have a a read particularly obviously the Jonathan Wilson book that you all already know the title of it the crux of it is is the the place I've just mentioned Uh, Mm. centre man on the on the second three if that's a a messy type a Dybala type that's one thing. If that's a Banega type, that's another thing. But it the, also the in between the in between choice would be Lo Celso, who used to play as an enganche and, as you mentioned, can't play as number five. Mm. Uh-huh. It would kind of bridge the the two approaches. I would like to see Messi there because uh, anytime you give Messi passing options, Messi shines. So if I'm Messi has two Dybala and, and a striker or even Aguero and, and Iwain in front of him, plus Di Maria on the one side and Lanzini on the other, I, I think that's the better choice. I, 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 don't think I do worry, though, about the fact that you're going to end up with... I mean, it's possible if you're pushing up high that when you start the pressing, uh, the two full-back or wing-back, in inverted commas, figures, if it's going to be Mercado and Tagliafico, say, sort of shunt in as the, oppo- as the opposition come forward rather than dropping back then you've got a three-man wall in front of the defence. But otherwise, and particularly, as I mentioned earlier, when, when you're going to be playing Spain or, or France or Germany, teams with the capacity to completely overrun Argentina in midfield, if you're playing essentially one central midfielder, maybe two if you include Messi as the central man of that three or whoever is the central man of that front three, if you, if you say they're a central midfielder as well, it, it's really not... Whereas the point of the WM with 3-2-2-3 three, two, two, three, is that you've got four central midfielders playing in a, in a sort of box. Obviously, the WM is a formation that's sort of 80, 90 years old. Uh, so it's not necessarily the, the cutting edge of modern football. Um, but I wonder, in a way, whether, not with this current squad, because you've only got four forwards, or, or if you include Pavon and Di Maria, perhaps five or six um, in, in the current squad. Um, but I wonder whether that would almost be better because given Argentina are quite weak in central midfield and given that modern football is played so much in the midfield, is it such a good idea to essentially surrender control of the midfield 
Or is that precisely Sampaoli's thinking? Is he thinking, well, we don't stand a chance in midfield, so fuck the midfield, let's just aim for a really high press, I think get everybody bit, as far forward as we can, and hope to capitalise on the mistakes that can happen as a result of that? I think Sampaoli's bet is he'll have the ball much of the game, uh, especially against Islandia. Iceland, in the group uh, stage, right? In group stage, yeah. Iceland's going to sit back and watch what Argentina does. So uh, against that type of team, this might work. How many people are Iceland gonna leave uh, for the counter attack? One, one and a half maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so against that kind of squad, I don't see this being a, pro- a problem. What I see as being a problem is was, if, was you, the question though that led Sampaoli to talk about this formation. Were they asking him what team you're going to put out against Iceland, or were they asking him what team is going to be? The I first think it was. It's uh, sort of the the approach was about the four back or three man defense and, uh-huh. and that if he had abandoned it right. for good so he said yes I'm going for a two man defense <laughs> yeah um, I don't I, I haven't I didn't really hear the question I just got the answer and, and he's but he was very serious about it and mm-hmm. I think he means it um, I would much rather see Salvio and, and Acuna play as the wing backs than uh, Mercado and Tagliafico more so because if you are getting the ball and pushing and those two white players are going to end up near the opposing box uh, I don't trust Mercado to make a great decision uh, with his ball the ball in his feet in tight quarters and, and against uh, a packed defense uh, mm. I'd much rather have Salvio who's proven that he can go forward and play that sure. uh, also Acuna which would allow the Lanzini and Di Maria to actually Straight, straight to the center and, and stay much closer to Messi. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. Gotta see how he plays. Yes, I, I think that of course his his uh, in his mind there is this idea of if you get the ball the most most of the time you don't need to recover for it. You know to to go for it because you you already have it. Uh, the problem will be perhaps against Croatia. I I think that that's a team like you mentioned Spain, Germany, France that have. Tremendous midfielders like well Rakitic, Modric, um, Kovacic if he plays. But yes, his idea basically is that that uh, to have the ball to push and, and try to get it the most of the time uh, because of the of the quality of the players like Salvio, like Acuna that are more even when they are uh, told to go back if they have defense. The idea is to go for, forward uh, with them. Uh, and to outnumber the, the defense of the of the rivals with Messi having, like he said, uh, the most possible uh, passes possibilities Sorry. to create overloads. Yes. I think the the fun thing is to try to fit the each name onto a certain um, yeah position on that two three three two. Many you've you've there. Not, there are I mean, many options. So, uh, but so where, where would you slot Mesa, for example, or uh, Banega? If if I was made Argentina manager tomorrow because Jorge Sampaoli, I don't know, has a heart attack or something, and if they said you've got to play this two three three two, that's got to be the the formation for some reason because FIFA introduced a new rule where they say yeah, if the manager says this in a press conference and that's it, I would go with from the squad that he's named. Um, Otamendi and, and Fasio, I think, are picking themselves really as, as the two centre back pairs. Um, I would think I know what you mean about those two wing backs and preferring a more attacking one. I would 
hedge my bets a little and go for one more attacking and one more defensive. And that's, I think I, I think would that's go what somebody would do. I think I'd go for Mercado on the right and Acuna on the left, yeah. with Biglia in between them, and then would go. Then four. again, I would just want to say that Messi had very high praises. I know for a fact that he had very high praise for uh, Taylor Fico and his ability to go forward. And mm. He considered him a very intelligent player. So You're right, he you may, uh, He may have a, 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 a times a, a starting job. Yeah, based on that, actually. And then I'd go for Messi in the middle of that foremost three. Uh, probably Lanzini on the right. I'd have a look at Mesa or Pavon as well. Um, with I'm going to say maybe Lochelso on the left. In uh, huh? I'm not a Di Maria fan particularly, yes, and me. up front at the moment I, I pick Aguero and I would give Dybala a chance early on and possibly bring in Iguain. That's if the thing. If you like if you slot Lochelso on the left, uh, Lochelso is going to stray stray to the center of the field. He doesn't. Uh, Overlap. He doesn't go on the wide. He's not a wide player. But that's one reason that I would want to pick him is to try to avoid that overloading by the opponents in okay. the middle. So then you probably it's have like to have Acuna coming from the back or Tagliafico coming from the back and provide that overlap, finishing the game. Yeah, um, I, I like it. I, I, I'm a fan of the of the shape in theory. Then again, it, it depends so much on who you play on it. Uh, yeah. What I was saying about Messi's role, Messi's place. If you put Messi in the, in my preferred role, there's no place for Vanega in that team. He can't play anywhere other than that. Same for Lochelso. Well, you slotted him on the left. It would, he may work there, but uh, it would be. You need to have him. somebody who you can bring in if, yeah. if he's not doing it for the first couple of matches. My clearly. preferred one would be Messi and Dybala and Aguero up front. Messi will replace Lancini there. I think right. Mesa could replace and see. Then again, Mesa could play in the center of that and help Biglia. Mesa has played uh, the problem, that role. You know? Or if, if you're able to switch formation and maybe play a two-man central midfield, you could have Biglia alongside Mesa, who can burst on and, and join the more attacking yeah. players when you've got the ball. So I you've just got Biglia sitting there. The idea sounds attractive in terms of the ball, uh, having the ball all the time and, and trying to attack and press all the time. The problem is, I think, the only problem is that you are putting players adapting to a system mm. and perhaps uh, yes of course you have uh, players to that's why he called but I keep playing to somebody in that um, if I were the manager I would implement my system and die with it um, at the same time chance. In, in international football I think the, the point that Andres is trying to make it, 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 is that you yeah, don't have an awful lot time, of time yeah. with the players maybe it's best to have a look at the clubs that the players play for say right what system do these players what, what system do these clubs play play and then if the majority of the players Hasn't are playing tried that, in, I'm say, saying. a four-two-three-one or a four-three-three at their club, maybe just implement a four-two-three-one or a four-three-three. Hasn't he tried that and failed miserably? I'm sure he has. Yeah, so it's not necessarily him failing either. This is the other. Yeah. I know that Sam Pauli gets it in the neck uh, from from the. This local is the fans, He's still ten. Yeah, he's going to play there. And it's what makes international football so difficult. And it's what gives, as I've mentioned in the past, it's what gives teams like. Spain and Germany, who can draw their top yeah, players from a handful of clubs who play a similar system, such a huge advantage over a, te- a, a country like Argentina, which, because of the laws of economics in the 21st century, and particularly how the football world is working, has to draw its players from a total of... Shall we count them up? Tigres, Chelsea, River, Sevilla, Torino, Man City, Roma, Man United, Ajax, Sporting, Hebe China Fortune... 
Benfica, Milan. I haven't repeated any yet, have I? Paris Saint-Germain, Sevilla. That's that's two from Sevilla. Two, two from Sevilla. West Ham, Independiente, PSG again. And there's two Boca, Manchester City ones. Barcelona, and two Juventus, 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 Manchester City. That's 19 different clubs for a 23-man yeah. squad. The only... The only two two months are Juventus, Manchester City, and Sevilla, yeah. as we mentioned. Although, interestingly, clubs who have produced from their youth systems players in this current squad, there are two clubs who have produced. Obviously, these are all Argentine, apart from one. Barcelona produced Lionel Messi from their youth system, uh, ah. but there are two clubs who produced three. New fans would be outraged, outraged with that. Well, okay, according to the ESPN graphic I saw the other day. Has Newell's produced Messi or has okay, according, according to FIFA, Barcelona produced Messi. Um, but if we leave that aside anyway, regardless, that, that doesn't change the answer. There are two clubs who produced through their youth systems three of the players each on this list. One of those clubs is River, who came through with Armani, Mascherano, I think, and Armani. Higuain. Sorry, not Armani. Um, who was the other River one from the youth system? I don't think it was Armani. Iguain and Lancini. Lancini, sorry, yeah, you're quite right. Iguain, Lancini, Mascherano. The other club to have produced three players from the youth system on this list, and Armani is one of the players produced by this club, which is why I got confused. Ferro. Ferro. Yeah. yeah. That's nice. Armani, Acuna, and I can't remember who the other one was, even though Fasio. I've got his name. Fasio. Fasio. Must be. Yes. Well done. Um, so that's interesting as well. Well done, Ferro. You yeah. have a reason, Ferro fans, to uh, pay attention to this money from they could receive no, money from FIFA so. or not? Why? On what grounds? No. Uh, no, 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 not I, for the squad. I, no. I got confused because they... They will have done when River bought him off, uh, bought Armani off. off that is 2016, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think. Yeah. They play in 2016. Ewells has a claim to that. I think they have, now they, they have Guzman and Saldi. Oh, you're right, because Guzman wasn't in the squad when uh, I saw say, this list Guzman the other day. Right, yeah. So they're three as well. Messi, if you can him. And I have another one. Oh, Banega? Banega. Was he Newell's youth team? No, he was Boca. Actually, yeah, he ended up in Newell's. He's from Rosario, but his first team debut was with Boca. Yeah. He came back to play. Yeah. Anyway. On to listeners' questions. Come on. Nate Cubeta says... We've answered many of them, I think. Possibly, but we'll go over them again. Um, Nate Cubeta says, re-historical topics for winter off-season... We would love to hear about the roots of various clubs. I always find it a fascinating topic. Stuff like homesick English railroad workers, petty disputes, shifting neighbourhoods, etc. I'm up for that. What I would say is, listeners, if you send us some more specific things, like um, which clubs you would like to hear about, or which clubs from which city, if it's outside Buenos Aires or whatever, then we can research it and send it us a few days in advance, maybe. Uh, Then we can do a little bit of research and do that, probably in the brief period after the World Cup rather than before um, but you know whenever you want to do it but uh, keep it specific because that makes it a bit easier for us to pick out and to know what you actually want to hear as well that's fun Phil Carney says that he thinks that this should really be the subject of a hand of pod poll at some point uh, the this that he is referring to is whether Ricardo Caruso Lombardi's street fight which we talked about when it happened um, which I can't remember Fantastic. what it was five years ago or something 2012 I think yeah Six years ago, God. Um, were you here? This was on TSA Sports. Were you, were you there? Yeah, were you? actually, we work uh, just uh, crossing the street. This is, yeah. Because <laughs> it was outside the, the studio, wasn't it? Yeah, and Carlos um, Lombardi is fighting someone who saw him on TV and actually came to TSA Sports because <laughs> he had seen him on TV. That's why they're fighting on the 
I'll tell you in this the, the discussion was between uh, Phil and Tom Robinson uh, discussing whether that was more peak Argentine football than Ricardo Centurion's exit from... No, sorry, than Teo Gutierrez's exit from Racing. Um, no. So we may or may not put that up as a, as a poll at some point. Um, I say no. There are more peak Argentinian football than that. But I, I think so as well. But, you know... We should give the listeners an opportunity. We can maybe try and think of a few more GIFable or videoable examples. Oh, definitely makes a top ten, though. No. <laughs> Gerontophile says, what does Fulbi Pibe mean? Uh, I was confused oh. by this, and then Julian um, spotted that there's a slight typo in there. He means Fulbo Pibe. No, actually, it's Fulbi Pibe. That's, oh, my, Fulbi that's Pibe. my handle. That's my uh, description of my Twitter, Twitter handle. That's what I, oh, I, I is it? Oh, yeah. okay. I, I had not... Uh, His Twitter bio. Uh, I hadn't picked that up. It's yeah, been a while that's since I looked at your biography. So. I answered him. That what does it mean, anyway? Tell us. Um, as I told our listener, uh, football is how some people mispronounce football around these parts. And Pibe is basically lad, so it's a football lad, a full Pibe. That's what, how you call some kid who's obsessed with football and he's all talks a lot football and that. It's like people that don't know or doesn't speak English say... Instead of offside or side, for example, yeah. or or uh, layman. Yeah, it's a mispronunciation. But you call someone, you call a, a, a small kid a full BP when all he's talking about is going to the stadium, kicking around and such. And I had a, a couple of people who called me that uh, growing up because uh, I was constantly football obsessed. So that's stuck with me ever since. I'm sure Seba Garcia's kids are just like that. I was well. also called cabeza de gajo because of that because. The, <laughs> Football has gajos, uh, panels, etc. Yeah. I had a panel head. <laughs> Fully people fit that That's really good. I, I like that one. Uh, Ronnie Masunder says Your take on Romero's replacement of number one, we've definitely answered that one already. And the whole controversy as his wife spoke, we touched on that as well. Also, why are Biglia and Mascherano the only number fives in the team? Do you think there are too many wing backs? And your take on the two-three-three-two system, as Sam Fowley mentioned in the press. So we've talked about the two-three-three-two. I think we've I don't think there are many sort of talked about why Biglia and Mascherano are the only number fives. The, the many wing backs, it, it's Tangafico, Mercado, Acuna, and Acuna, If you count them as wing backs, but, but the thing is, if he's going to play that formation, he has four positions to fill. Mm. Two players on each one, eight players, nine maybe. And Ansaldi, who can play on either side, yeah. so that makes sense. I don't taller. think there's there. Too much. And uh, as I've said, nobody beat Mascherano to the job. If someone yeah. had emerged and actually played onto the team, uh, Mascherano would be out. Uh, I wouldn't. I don't think he would be out, but maybe he would have kept his his place in the squad without being so prominent as a player. Maybe more as a mm. figure to the group. Andres? Yeah, the closer, as I mentioned him, but he also wasn't that... Uh, uh, better than, than or he wasn't better than Machanis, perhaps he Pizarro, but mm. he, he perhaps uh, didn't have a lot of opportunities and the ones he had he didn't take. wasn't that brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Mike E. Ciroli says, with the squad named and a philosophy sort of implied, realistically, what's the best that we can expect from the team in Russia? Quarterfinals, semifinals? Uh, I think Argentina is one of those teams that any outcome wouldn't be surprising. If I told you Argentina is winning 4 0 against Germany, you wouldn't actually rule it out. Would? Eh. I'm going to rule that out. 
if Messi's inspired in a way of some this day, every, that. everything that I say from now on before before any World Cup in the future is always going to be um, tempered by the reminder that at this exact point before the 2014 World Cup, I was sitting around this microphone with English Dan and somebody else. Were you already recording before the 2014 World Cup with us, yes, Andres? And we were discussing how the defence was a worry, how Romero as a goalkeeper... Again, I defended him, but but there were lots of people who who questioned him and, and were wondering whether it was right to go into a World Cup with a goalkeeper who wasn't playing uh, top level football because he'd been playing for Sampdoria yep. in the second division, um, and we couldn't see Argentina getting beyond the quarterfinals again. And then look what happened. So once think- the team gets together, and once you once the training camp begins, which it's beginning to sort of click into gear now, everybody was training together today for the first time. Um, it, it it all depends on how how it gels and the ultimate thing is and a bit of luck and a bit of the it's ball just one right match back. and Argentina has Messi yeah and precisely for better or worse he covers up your deficiencies whatever your team doesn't do if he doesn't keep the ball you can give it to Messi and mm. he probably keep it um, it all boils down to and, Messi and now it's when hope and reasoning comes together <laughs> yeah I mean so my my answer to Mike's question is realistically. I think Argentina ought to be happy with quarterfinals, but they won't. I think there are bad. so many occasions in football history where realistic things just don't happen. Argentina won't be happy with quarterfinals. Oh no, I don't. Th- I'm saying they should be. No, no, I'm not they saying they will. Be. Okay, maybe, <laughs> but they would be happy with the semi-final berth. Yeah, I think that's what they, the team's aiming. If mm. they can make it to the final four and be there uh, and have their chance that whatever team with Messi. I think they'll take it and they'll consider it a success in the World Cup. Yeah, I would agree. I don't know if they'll make it. I I, I was very confident ahead of the Brazil World Cup, even Argent, even though Argentina, as you've said, had many doubts going in, but uh, Messi was much better than, than what it is now, I think. But uh, who knows? You can't count on Messi. Mm-hmm. Tariq Al-Haider says, would you structure, how would you structure Argentina's midfield? I would go with Lanzini, Banega and Di Maria in front of Biglia or Mascherano. I think that's probably how it goes going to be. I would delete the or Mascherano bit at the end there. Um, and as I said, I'm not a huge fan of Di Maria. I think about, particularly if you're going to play a narrow midfield three in front of a uh, holding midfielder, I think about Lochelso. Um That's my personal preference but yeah, yeah by um, and large that kind of structure with probably uh the money is a lot one though. three two or a three one three one two or something with Messi in behind us a couple of strikers or with Messi in behind the Maria is a lot number nine for better or worse even though you don't like it yeah no I accept will, that of course he he's, start, he's going yeah. to be starting yeah. I think Lanzini has earned his place uh bah, earned his place he played well against Italy and then he watched the game with Messi on the box mm. against Spain so I think that's Pretty much makes it. Um, Banega, Lo Celso, Messi might be that that guy. I would. I would, ha- I would have Messi a little further forward. That's why I wouldn't include yeah. him in the midfield personally. Andres. Yes, it's very difficult to now to say the, the exact formation, but I mostly agree with the the players and the. I I will, will also try with uh, Lo Celso instead of Di Maria and. Anyway, I think that he will stick with Di Maria as a, a player that I know. I know why every every coach includes him, including the starting eleven. But 
I, I've just had a very small shock, by the way. Again, nothing to do with Argentine football, but Monagas have pulled it back to 2-2 away to Cerro Porteño as that match goes into stoppage time. Uh, so Cerro Porteño are going to qualify anyway. But um, given their home record and given what a big club they are in South American football, they should feel thoroughly embarrassed about throwing away those three points from a 2-0 lead. Uh, Tom Robinson says, How do you think Turkish Mohamed, I think you mean Turko Mohamed, will yeah. do... At, I'm assuming that's autocorrect. I'm not having a go at you, Tom. Uh, will do at Celta de Vigo. Celta has had uh, some success with uh, Argentinian managers, is especially it his, Yeah, very recently. Is, is it his first job in European football? It must be. Yeah. He's been in Mexico yes. for a while, hasn't Mexico. Uh, he has a uh, great uh, agent. and <laughs> Yep. No, I didn't think that as a, as a slight on Mohamed. The thing is, he has a great agent and a very good relationship with his agent, which means his agent is able to provide him with a lots of players of his, which he represents. So he basically uh, doesn't stray much from the same players he plays mm-hmm. either in Argentina, in Mexico, or whatever. So I think he'll yeah, was it take four or five of them. He went to Mexico from Godoy Cruz, right? Or, or from Huracan? I can't remember no, which order his jobs came in. It was Godoy Cruz, then Huracan, and then Mexico. Yeah, but yeah. he first made a Toluca, no, a Tijuana. He played mm-hmm. for Toluca. Then he managed Tijuana. Yeah. And then he managed America. America? Mm. Yeah. And there were... In each occasion, there were there were players who moved from one club to the other shortly after he did. The same so. when he managed Independiente and, and Huracan and oh, Cerro Porteño got three two up in stoppage time. He's rumored well he was rumored as a possible Guillermo Rosecreto replacement if Boca didn't manage to make and it to Colón the Colón also was Colón. Yeah. How will he do at Celta though? I think he'll Could do be well. Interesting, yeah. I don't think so, uh, the Spanish first uh, La Liga is as competitive as uh, as Argentina's first division, and he'll have uh, many players at his disposal. I think he'll do well. Talking about Guillermo, he was not linked, but mentioned as a possible Everton coach. Everton. Yes. Really. Whoa. Yes. Does I'm Everton not sure what to say to that. Does he sp- oh, he's, he does speak English, doesn't he? Because he, he played in the United States, so at least he'll have yes. some basic English. I don't know whether he's been having classes in the way that Marcelo Gachado apparently was a couple of years ago. Um, but, yeah, that would be an interesting call. Yes. No, I, would, I don't see him there. I, I mean, nor do I. I know for a fact that his, his uh, ambition is to... Uh, ambition, no, but his life plan with his wife and family is to actually manage in the States because of, yeah. what the, of, what, of the time they lived there and... That's what he he wants, but uh, I don't know if he'll ever do it. And plus, his Columbus crew is maybe going down, and uh, they're trying to save the the fans are trying to save their team. But uh, I don't think it's gonna oh, well. go well. American listeners, feel free to uh, fill us in on that if you know more specifics. Carlos Palacios says, "What's your take on Barovero never getting a chance?" For Argentina, I assume he means. Do you think that more local players deserve to get a look during qualifiers? Is Lautaro Martinez and Sanchez Mino not being in the final 23 unfair? Both have been consistent. Thanks. I don't think Barbero really had a chance once he left River. Uh, had he stayed at River, I think he would have got a chance. Yeah, I'm, I'm mixed on Barbero. He's demonstrably, obviously, an incredible shot stopper. But one thing that I've found with Armani since he joined River and I got to see more of him than the Libertadores games at Atletico Nacional 
is that for an Argentine goalkeeper, and particularly for an Argentine goalkeeper in the domestic league, uh, he's quite unusual in that he's not just good at stopping shots, but he's also pretty good on crosses and, as I mentioned earlier, on, on sort of racing out when the ball gets played yeah. in behind. And I see a lot of hesitation from otherwise good goalkeepers in this league there. Um, and so that, for me, was something that Barrovero was an exceptional shot stopper at River. I haven't seen him since he's left River. Um, but if he on crosses... Um, and, and the, the thing with Barrera is he did, never had a chance because Romero was a lock. Mm. Uh, once Romero was uh, given the, or San Paoli or whatever coach was given the permission and take that between quotes uh, yeah. by the, the team, the group, to, okay, Romero is not untouchable. I think uh, anyone's had a chance and that's why we see Caballero and Armani. Yeah. Uh, Barrero, but I also, just, I'm not really convinced time. that Barrovero really deserve much of a chance oh. anyway. Armani on the other hand I think undoubtedly the reason that he has been given this call up is he moved back to Argentina and his visibility increased enormously but I still think that he deserves uh, Pauli, yeah and he's from that? Casilda yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, his his parents live next door but one to yeah. San Paoli's parents apparently um, but I do also think that Armani actually although he's been given the call up for if you like the wrong reasons or with the wrong motivation he's actually a call up that he deserves and, and yeah. a look that he deserves whereas I'm Barrowera obviously is a river sympathiser. I, you know, I, I like him as a goalkeeper. I'm not trying to suggest he's a bad goalkeeper, but I wouldn't have had him at national team level personally. Andres, yes, uh, if he wasn't called when he has his best uh, performances against, especially against Boca, Sudamericana, and Libertadores 2015, after that, I don't think he will have stand still the chance. And now. The less chances, even when Sapoli wants a player that is, as we talked about, good with his feet, and he's, I don't think he's good enough. Mm. Uh, and by the way, he has been signed by Rashados, the we could say the river, uh, Mexican river side, as there are a lot of a lot of former river players there, and he has just signed, uh, moved from Necaxa to Rashados. Ah, I have not heard that. Yeah. Uh, Carlos has other questions. Do you think more local players deserve to get a look during qualifiers? Personally, I'd mm. say no. During qualifiers, but, yeah, it would have been Lautaro Martinez. But he didn't have a chance during really qualifiers. really young during qualifiers yeah. as well. A friendly game, maybe, or one or two. He should have played against Italy, not just the mm. 10 minutes he played against uh, Spain. As for Lautaro Martinez. As for Sanchez Mino, I personally adore Sanchez Mino. I think he's a great player. Yeah. I would have taken him ahead of uh, Ansaldi, maybe. I, th- I think that in terms of the final 23 and indeed the list of 35, I think the number of players from the local league, in certainly in the list of 35, for me, was about right. Yeah. It, it, was, it was merited. And, and the names I didn't really have much of a problem with. You could say Sanchez Mignon, maybe, instead of, of uh, I don't know, perhaps instead of Pablo Perez, but Pablo Perez had a great season as well, so... Yeah, and Sandy plays on both flanks, so Sanchez Mignon has that against him... Uh, mm. I would have taken Centurion. I think he he has something that no other team, no other player on the team has. Uh, but eh, he took Mesa, and I'm fine with that too. I don't see anything wrong with it. Yeah, Andres. Yeah, I will stick, stick with Lautaro, not saying that he will have. He should stay there, be there, and how come he didn't go? But how many are they on the 23 minutes squad from the Football Argentino? You have Armani. Armani from River. There are no defenders. There Pabon. are Mesa and Pavon from midfield. That's it. Three. Three. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's about it. Now, Tagafico yeah. plays uh, abroad as, as soon as uh, yeah, three exactly. months yeah. ago. Very, so very recent. You might consider him actually... Even in that case, though, part of the reason Tagliafico consolidated his spot in the 23 was the fact that he went to Europe and has had, by all accounts, a fantastic yeah, he better start to life at Ajax. He was man of the match on his debut in the in the Classica in Holland. Actually, yeah, that was a great decision by, him, his, by Tagliafico. He played in Independiente many times as a centre-back in a, in a back mm. three and he chose to move to Ajax basically to play left-back and... That's the third position, yeah. yeah. And he um, was, the, I think, the MVP at the first match he played. It was against Feyenoord, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah it was week. a good bet. That paid off. Um, and one more question from Carlos. In your opinion, who had the best uniform design this season? Oh, I like that question. Um, I like really like Racing's both kits. Uh, Racing played one game. I can't remember which one it was in a retro kit. Yeah, great kit. I've mentioned this more than once on Twitter, but in my opinion, every league in the world should have a rule that for one weekend of every season, every match has to be played in just retro kits. Ah, every it, league, it would in, make every league in the world should take a cue from the NBA, which is the absolutely, yeah. absolutely boss on that one. Uh, they have throwback nights, Latino nights, uh, Christmas special uniforms. And oh, no, all the other specials I'm not no, too bothered yeah. about. But one, I'm, one I'm weekend, for it. One weekend the whole planet has to play I'd nothing but retro kits. Both kits I really like. The retro one I really like. I like this year's River uni- home uniform. Mm-hmm. I'm not a real fan by any means, but uh, this this home one I really like. I was going to say River, in, in spite of the fact that, that the club I I'm sort not, of support. I'm not a fan of the away pick. one, uh, River away one. I really like this book. Oh, the, the Trickle one, yeah. No. The, the red one, uh, yeah. I'm not a fan of. Um, the Boca home one, I really liked it this year. Uh, the Thin uh, Stripe, oh, no, not a stripe, how do you call it? Band? Band, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, it's, it's not really a hoop, is it? Because it doesn't stretch all the way around. No, the it's back a hoop. As well. It's that a hoop. Make it perfect. What well, does it go around the back? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, it's a proper hoop. Oh, in that yeah, case, it's a yeah. hoop. Okay. Uh, so the thinner hoop, uh, I liked it. Uh, I liked the away one, which was a plain yellow one. But it, I think I've seen yeah, I I'm not a fan of that. I'm not. I don't like the shade of yellow. No, it's actually, uh, the thing with it is, uh, Boca played in the yellow one. Uh, an enormous amount of matches. Uh, yeah, they made them change against uh, San Martín, San Juan, who's green and, yeah, and which black ridiculous. against Racing. Boca played home against Racing, and they made them change into their way strip. I'm trying to remember. Or, apart from, apart from the few that you've mentioned, I'm trying to work out whether there's one that I would. Uh, Independientes. Well. Andres, any? I wasn't a fan of the Independientes. The, it had going for them the the fact that they didn't have a sponsor on the front, so I, yeah. I, I like that. They one. also played one game in a very nice retro kit. Yep. A couple of weeks ago, well, a couple of weeks ago, no, but a few weeks before the end of the season. There were small, some smaller clubs had really nice shirts. Arsenal's one, one, Arsenal doesn't really have a really nice kit, maybe, I've ever seen it in one. But they had a white one that was particularly nice, uh, they played the last games. And somewhere else, I'm a fan of kits. So, the other thing is that in the Superliga with 28 clubs, there are so many kits to try to remember. Yeah. So I'm thinking. I, I mentioned the, in a previous episode. We can mention the worst ones. I, I, I have <laughs> because yeah. it's. Let's, let's, let's let Andres say something the, first. The Patronato away away kit. Yeah, worst kit ever. Yes. <laughs> Patronato away. I'm trying. I can away. pick the home no, one. Because it's funny. Yeah. Because it's funny. The, the pink, uh, like. Oh pink. yeah, yeah, yeah. The French yeah, Patricia has some. 
Nice kids. Yes, the yellow. Defensivos TC are a, a, a club that I, I I wanted to say them, but they're too covered in sponsors. Yeah, just yes. just far too many sponsors. If it was sponsorless, it'd be mm, lovely. Who else do you have? Uh-huh. No, the worst kid in the whole Primera was uh, Chagaritas one, ruined by the by the the sponsor, the La Nueva sponsor, which yeah. prompted the. Meme, meme, I don't know how you call it in English. Uh, in English, it's meme. R- uh, meme, a rational movisador, which basically <laughs> turned every kid into a hideous kid, which was uh, one of the highlights of my season. Newell's also the, the, I think the, the white, the white yes. kid, I think is, I, I like it. Newell's home one as well, I, I like, but it's quite hard for a designer to fuck up a Newell's old boys kit. Oh, it's they, such they a have classic look. It's so simple. Oh, I know they've managed it. But I think you've really got to try uh, if, if you're a kit designer. Anyway, that was the final question of this episode. It's been a long-ish episode, actually, considering we had no weekend football to talk about at all. But, of course, with the squad shenanigans and the goalkeeper injury and whatnot, there was always going to be a fair bit. So we're going to bid farewell now. And uh, Handapod Extra listeners will get an extra little five minutes in a few minutes. But for now, for the rest of you, it's goodbye from Andres. Goodbye, thank you. Goodbye from Julian. Goodbye. Thanks for having me. And goodbye. Full time in the Monumental River ended uh, nil-nil with Flamengo just now. Remarkably, Gonzalo Montiel is the man of the match. It'll be a while before we see that again. And Franco Armani, most importantly of all, of course, ended the game without any injuries. Um... River could have won by two or three goals. I don't think it would have flattered them. Rafael Santos Borre hit the crossbar very late on in the 90th minute, in fact. Uh, but they, it couldn't uh, happen for them. It wasn't so much a good goalkeeping performance from Flamengo's goalkeeper. It was just very wayward finishing from River. But all the same, they top Group D in the Libertadores. Flamengo go through in second. Um, and uh, Emelec against Independiente Santa Fe ended 3-0 to the away side. So it's Santa Fe who go to the Copa Sudamericana um, after that match in Guayaquil. Next week on Hand of Pod, we will be talking about the finish to this group and also about the finish to Independiente's group um, in the Copa Libertadores because that match is on Thursday evening, uh, as is, I believe I'm right in saying, the finish to Estudiantes uh, group as well. That's one reason we didn't talk that much about the Libertadores tonight, because next weekend, next week, sorry, we'll be talking uh, in much more detail about all of the groups and how they finished up and the possible draws and everything, because we'll know how everything's finished. Bye for now. <laughs>